Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Mary McMahon. Michigan played its spring football game this weekend, giving us our first look at the 2022 Wolverines. What did we learn? Plus, the hockey team prepares for the Frozen Four. We preview the matchup with Denver and more on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be talking with you here Monday morning, April 4th. Uh, We're coming off the spring game at Michigan Stadium uh, this past Saturday. And, I mean, I guess it's best to start with, like, what were the the main takeaways or what surprised you or intrigued you? Like, you know, if you're telling someone who, you know, wasn't there about the spring game, where do you start? Well, Davis Warren looked good. <laughs> for, for those of you listening, don't know who Derek Davis Warren is. He's like the fourth, third, fourth string quarterback uh, walk on. Uh, you know, he looked good. It's Saturday. For those who didn't watch or maybe weren't paying attention or whatever the case may be, Michigan played a lot of of the backups um the first quarter maybe first half of the first quarter were pretty much the starters kate mcnamara was um interestingly enough in all white keep in mind this was maids versus blue uh so he he threw for both teams the first four drives and he took them out uh you know guys like you know blake quorum for instance got a handful of carries and got pulled out so you saw a lot of backups, a lot of true freshmen, a lot of third and fourth string guys, guys you probably normally wouldn't see on Saturday. Um, but it was it was interesting, I guess. You know, Davis Warren looked good. We had heard about him in the spring, you know, that he had shown flashes and was playing, was pushing for that that third string spot behind Cade and, and JJ. Uh, he was 12 of 23 for 175 yards. But really, I think what really impressed me was his arm. I mean, the dude's arm strength looks fantastic. He made a couple of poor decisions overthrew a receiver in the end zone, but his mobility and his arm strength. I mean, I was talking to Ryan in the press box during the game and afterwards. I'm like, you know, if he really wanted to push for a scholarship somewhere else, you know, whether it's the Mac or the Sun Belt, he could probably get it. He looked pretty good. I mean, Ryan knows the story better than I do, but he hasn't really played much. And I, I thought for the first time in, you know, in front of, you know, live folks and live game action. I, I thought, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I talked to him when he, when he committed to Michigan as a walk on uh, last year. And I mean, the, 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 what he's had to battle just to get on the football field again, I know he was diagnosed with leukemia in, in his high school career, missed basically two years of, of high school football and has just been thrown to kind of get back in shape. And I mean, he, he was down to, he lost a ton of weight, had to put that back on. And then still got a, an opportunity at Michigan, and and we talk, asked a few guys after the game, like how surprising was it to see Davis kind of go out there and ball out. And he's like, well, he he was the stout team player of the year last year. He's been doing it in, in spring a lot, so it's it, it, they weren't very surprised to see him go out there and perform pretty well. Uh, I guess he he's kind of he's really uh, grown into his own here at, at Michigan, and and yeah, I I think at this point. He was probably the the number three behind Cade and, and JJ based off of what, how, how much we saw him play on Saturday and and his performance compared to the, Alan Bowman and, and the other guys behind him. 
Not to be outdone either. Alan Bowman was 9-19 for 100 yards. He threw two touchdowns, including a nice bomb to Darius Clemens down the sideline. So Allen had his moments as well. But, yeah, I mean, from Michigan's quarterback perspective, if, if, if we learned anything on Saturday, it's that they have a deep and talented room. I mean, they legitimately are like three and four deep. And you can make the argument if Bowman is, in fact, four. I mean, that's a former starter at Texas Tech. I mean, that's that's no knock on him. I mean, he's a talented guy, too, and we saw some of that on Saturday. So I, he was probably the biggest takeaway. Um, you know, Tavier Dunlap, you know, uh, redshirt freshman running back, got quite a bit of action, 18 carries, 73 yards. He had a touchdown as well. I mentioned Darius Clemens. He had three catches. He looked pretty good out there. They got the tight end, Colston Loveland, true freshman involved in a trick play, a 31-yard catch. Uh, so again, a lot of guys, you know, you had the normal the regulars, AJ Henning had five catches, Cornelius Johnson had a couple of catches, um, Donovan Edwards had this, this is probably the, the surprise or the head scratcher of the day, but maybe not because they're trying to keep him, you know, healthy, but Donovan Edwards only had two carries as a running back, but he had, he had a uh, 39 yard catch down the sideline too. So, uh, they're doing a lot of things with different folks, Zach Zinter, who will, you know, be starting at guard this fall took some snaps at center. Uh, so you had a lot of weird stuff going on. Michigan clearly wasn't trying to show too much. Yeah, steam-wise, it wasn't anything like we're going to see this fall. Like they even said, like, we're not trying to show anything here. So, like, any reads into what the defense might look like this fall or anything like that or how the offense might change under new new co-coordinators, that, we're not getting anything. For, we're not going to be able to glean anything from the spring game. It was more just individual performances and guys who, who may have taken a, a step forward from, from last year. It was it was funny. We were talking about um, last week how they'd handle the quarterback situation with McCarthy out, and you know who would be the first draft pick and things like that. Well, in the end, they just had Cade play for both teams. It kind of reminded me of you know I don't know when you're playing with your friends and you got an you got an odd number. You know you got seventy, yeah, so uh, or maybe only one guy who can really throw it so well. So you you go with the the all time QB automatic QB whatever you call it. So that that's what Michigan did. But yeah, to to your point. Again, it's been a, been a few years now since we've, we've seen this game publicly, but it did seem like the starters came out earlier, even sooner than, than they had in the past, and even more time for some of the backups. I mean, I know that that's difficult to, to, to spread it around, but um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see how quickly kind of, you know, McNamara came out and other guys, but I don't know, maybe the thought is it is just one extended practice of the 15 they have, and, you know, they maybe know what they have a little bit more with some of those starters and uh, you know, injury concerns and things like that. So I, I don't know, but it did seem like, yeah, we we're seeing a lot of uh, the rest of the roster on Saturday. Yeah. And I think that's where experience comes in. I mean, they got a lot of guys returning, you know, stars on the offensive side of the ball, defense, maybe not so much. And even if you go to that side of the ball, the playmakers on Saturday were kind of those usual suspects. Michigan, uh, both teams combined, I think had three or four sacks total. And it was the guys you would expect, Chris Jenkins, Michael Barrett, Jalen Harrell. It was those guys that kind of, they were the ones that kind of made made the plays. Um, but again, it was a similar situation where they were shuffling guys in and out. You saw, you know, um, you know, you saw some freshmen, Will Johnson, I think, started a corner for, for the blue team. So you saw some different uh, situations there. But like Ryan said, you're not going to glean a whole lot from X's and O's, a scheme standpoint. I thought maybe we would. Like you said to your point, uh, Andrew, I thought maybe we'd see the starters a little bit longer than we did. Because, you know, years past, they typically would play first quarter, quarter and a half, maybe the first half. Um, and then you'd see the backups and the, the third string guys in, you know, the third and fourth quarter, especially. Um, but again, years past, 
these games are a little bit different. It was more situational. You weren't, they weren't necessarily playing full fledged quarters. It was more kind of a, you know, weird situation where mm-hmm. Saturday, it was truly a game. They, they literally lined up two teams. They had refs. It was pretty serious. They played, you know, quarters, they had, you know, flags or anything else. So it was, it was a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, Kate only played four, four possessions and two for each team. And it seemed a lot quicker than that because really the offense didn't do much at all on mm-hmm. any of his four drives. So it was like very, very quick, a couple three and outs there. So uh, yeah, we, we really didn't see much of Kate at all uh, for, for either team on, on Saturday. No, it's funny. The one they had like a, a fourth and short and it was like, all right, are they going to go for it? And he's probably like, it doesn't matter. Cause either way I'm getting the ball back on for the other team. But um <laughs> Yeah, I guess as far as kind of what you guys were saying, how do we kind of tease out, you know, the the fact from fiction might not be the right word, but, you know, a guy like Davis Warren, it's someone we haven't seen. So then he's shiny and new and it's like, ooh, you know, look what he can do versus, okay, you know, this is just a spring game and, you know, who, what defense, you know, was he going against second or third team defenders as well? Um, like, I guess, what were some of the th- takeaways that you think might actually translate to you know, games in the fall versus mm, is still, still wait and see on those. Maybe, maybe more down the future is when we'll see them. Well, some of the tangible takeaways, I guess Mike Sanders still did in fact play both sides of the, of the, of the field. Uh, he played defense. He started at that kind of nickel, nickel safety, nickel corner spot. Um, I, I suspect it looks like at least, you know, from what, everything we've been told and from what we saw Saturday, he's, he's certainly going to play both sides. Uh, he may have a shot to start on defense. I think that's going to be fascinating to watch, but he looked pretty good. I mean, he had a, you know, a pass breakup. I think that first drive, he looked fantastic. He had a step on the receiver. I think Andrew Anthony went up and got the ball. He looked like a natural corner. Um, so I, I think that's real. Um, you know, I, I think we, we should probably see some of Darius Clemens and maybe some of those freshman receivers early on especially if Ronnie Bell isn't necessarily healthier or full goal by that point. Um, you know, there, now there are some questions out there that we didn't really get answers to because Jim Harpaugh did, did not talk to the media after the game. But one interesting move, I guess we saw Saturday that we had not been told about was Khalil Mullings linebacker um, hadn't played much the last couple of years. He, he got a couple of snaps at running back he had four carries for 36 yards, including a 24, 21 yard carry. So there's clearly some experimentation going on there but we don't know how tangible or how real that's going to be come the fall. Uh, so we'll see if Donovan Edwards in, in lining up at receiver. I mean, we saw that a little bit last year. Could we see more of that this fall? It certainly seems like it. So there, there are some, some, I think tangible takeaways there, but again, without, you know, confirmation from Jim Harbaugh or some of the coaches, it's, it's really tough to say at this point. You, you mentioned Mullings and I mean, honestly, I thought he was one of the most impressive running backs that there was on Saturday, that, that 21 yard carry, he, he kind of shot through a cannon there and, and got the edge and picked up a, a nice little chunk of, chunk of yardage there for, for a 21 yard gain. And I'm like, Aaron, who is that? It's like Kalel Mullings. That, that can't be right. So I mean, if, if they're looking to add a little bit more thunder in the backfield to replace Hassan Hastings, I mean, he seems like a, a maybe in short yardage situations, he seems like a candidate there given his, his linebacker physique. Um, and he, I mean, he's definitely a, a, lot bul- a lot bulkier than, than Blake Corum or or Donovan Edwards. So, yeah, it, it will be whenever we talk to Harbaugh next, I'm sure we'll be asking, asking about that. And another guy on offense, it's we saw uh, A.J. Henning with five catches. 
And for the first time, we saw him kind of run some routes downfield. I mean, typically last year, Michigan used him a lot of reverses and, and sweeps and stuff like that and and just giving, the, giving him the ball out of the backfield and, and trying to get in his hands. But he didn't run many routes down the field. We'll see maybe if if that uh, uh, might happen a little bit more in in the fall. Um, obviously, a crowded receiver room. But, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the, the receivers shaked out here come uh, – come September because there's a lot of bodies in there and no clear number one guy. I mean, I guess you Cornelius Johnson, but again, we don't know how Ronnie Bell's going to come back healthy. And and then there's just a bunch of bodies there. So that, that stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, we've talked, we've talked a little bit of defense, but I mean, kind of mostly offense here as we've, uh, you know, kind of broke down some of the the players that, that caught your eye or whatever. Is there anything more from the defensive side? Again, new coordinator, there um but like you said as far as scheme and things there wasn't wasn't much to to take away and we don't expect major overhaul on that side anyway but that being said there's a lot of new faces um and a lot of key guys no longer with this program from last year um yeah anything anything on that side stand out that we haven't mentioned yet not a ton i mean the, schematically they were they're lined up pretty similar to how they did last year there's a lot of shuffling a lot of younger guys did play as i mentioned will johnson started a corner for blue uh george rooks got some run at defensive tackle you know rj moton played a ton quentin johnson played a ton again another name that really hasn't played much or hasn't come up in the last couple of years in the secondary uh rishon bendy got a lot of play so it was, it was a very similar situation on that side of the ball where you get a lot of younger guys that got a lot of uh, a lot of snaps a lot of time to work um, so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about a lot of the questions on the defense side of the ball. There are, but there's a lot of guys that have been around the program in this, you know, in the team with the team for, you know, two, three years now. So I, I think you're going to see, I would not be surprised if you see a couple of guys that we haven't really heard much about get in this fall, whether it's in the secondary or linebacker, or the case may be. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how things shake out. Um, you know, I, as we've talked about, you know, the last couple of podcasts, the scheme isn't going to change much. I think the alignments aren't going to change much. It's just going to be the names. And, and and that's, I think, the question mark going into uh, fall camp. Yeah. And as is typical for a spring game, what we've been talking for 10, 15 minutes here, and we have yet to mention the score, because what does that really <laughs> matter? But uh, the blue team won 2012 for posterity's sake. Uh, the next time we'll see the Michigan football team, you know, there'll be there'll be stories and there'll be interview opportunities and things like that. But uh, next time we might actually, you know, see them in uniform out on the field probably will be September 3rd, the season opener against Colorado State. We've we've talked about the, the non-conference schedule uh, already and when will again as we get closer to the season, but it's certainly not great. Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut, um, and then a Big Ten, they open at home as well. So four straight uh, home games to open the year without a break. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a wrap on the, on the spring game. Um, but the hockey team is playing in the Frozen Four uh, Thursday. This is their game against uh, Denver. Um, Ryan, you'll be there in Boston. When you leave, you leave tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yep, Tuesday night. Yeah, so I guess, uh, yeah. What do we, what do we need to know about this opponent and Michigan's chances of getting to the championship game? Honestly, when you look at this Frozen Four, like this two really intriguing matchup. Uh, I mean, and as far as this Michigan Denver matchup, I mean, this is two blue blood programs, but they haven't met since 2022 or uh, 2002. So it's mm-hmm. been a while, and, and they they both have had success in, in the NCAA tournament over the years. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be fascinating, to, fascinating. Two of the most uh, potent offenses in the country. Obviously, Denver leads the country in scoring 
And, and I mean, yeah, obviously a lot has been made about Michigan's NHL talent, but Denver's pretty loaded too with, uh, with a bunch of NHL draft picks. I think they have 12 on the roster and, and one of them, Bobby Brink, a second round pick leads the way, leads the country with 56 points this year in 39 games. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be tough to deal with uh, a Hobie Baker award finalist. So, but it's, it's not just him. I mean, they have a lot of depth up front, uh, a mobile defense. So they're pretty, they're built pretty similarly to Michigan. So it's going to come down who, who makes a save, who capitalizes uh, on their chances and, and who stays out of the box. In my opinion, I think it's going to be a, a really close game. And I think it could be a toss up. I mean, this is, they're both number one seeds for a reason. So um, yeah, I, mean, I really don't know what to expect here, but I, I think it's going to be a close game and, and uh, it should be should be a fun game to watch. They, they survived the regional round. I mean, Michigan was one of the few teams that didn't play super tight games. I know the the second game um, against Quinnipiac got got tight there and Harry in the in the third period. Um, but I mean, I think I, I think I was looking this up earlier and trying to remember. But as far as like it was there was a ton of uh, one one goal games and uh um, you know, several overtime uh, in those opening rounds, but Michigan was was not among them. Um, but now you expect that to maybe change. I don't know. Michigan got off to a good start um, in their in their first two games, which which will help. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It seems like a, a lot of offensive firepower in this game for sure. Yeah, and 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 Denver actually hasn't started very well in their two games. They allowed their first goal in both games against UMass Lowell and Minnesota Duluth. And they were tight throughout, and they, they scored both of their game winners late in the third period. So a couple one-goal games for, for Denver in, in their opening two rounds. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, but at this point, you could basically throw throw those games out the window. Both teams have had a longer than a week to, to prepare for this matchup. So, um, yeah, it's uh, – and Michigan's headed back to the place where they last won a national championship back in 1998 when, when Michigan won in overtime against Boston College in, in, in Boston. So no Boston teams, local Boston teams this time. So I'd assume there would be a, a few more Michigan fans there compared to if there, there was a, a local team there. Because, yeah, I mean, just watching highlights from that 1998 game, it was, it was a, a loud building and a lot of Boston College fans there. To, to cheer on their hometown Eagles. Uh, yeah, Minnesota and Minnesota State on the other side of the bracket. Another great matchup. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be should be some good hockey. So Michigan Denver is the first game um, on uh, on Thursday, five o'clock uh, start time on ESPN two from the TD Garden in Boston. Um, within the championship, uh, two nights later, Saturday night, um, should should Michigan advance, trying to get its first national championship since 1998 uh, all right well that concludes this episode of the wolverine confidential podcast stay tuned for more coverage on mlive.com wolverine thanks for listening